on, still on. I got the red light. The red light doesn't mean stop up here. It means go. It means go, go, go. If you would open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, and if you don't mind with me, would you stand? If you're able, stand. If you're not, that's cool. Stand in your heart. We're going to honor God's Word this morning. Uh, We're to honor God's Word all the time, but it's okay to stand every now and again to honor God's Word because it is important for our life. And uh, we have been going through the book of Ephesians, as you recall, and in Ephesians chapter 5, we were told that we're to imitate God, and we talked about that, and last week we talked about what it looks like to have a godly marriage, and God, uh, Paul continues in the same vein here in Ephesians chapter 6, and this morning y'all have a bit of respite because I'm going to only preach four verses, Uh, I may add some to it, but we're going to read these four verses this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou may live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it gives us uh, a wonderful gospel instructions for us to live by. Lord, help us to understand that these are not just uh, 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 self-help tips and, and things that we're to just take into consideration as maybe good ideas, but these are instructions from you. So God, as we uh, try to peel back the layers and, and understand uh, maybe at, at greater length what this means and what it means for us personally and practically in our life right now, God, help us to apply these things to our life and to live them out so that we might bring more glory to you and that your kingdom might swell and grow uh, because of our faithfulness and because of your goodness. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. In our passage this morning, Paul continues what uh, we might call the household codes. Uh, That is the duties between husbands and wives. We talked about last week, parents and children, and then between masters and slaves, which we'll talk about next week. Anybody have uh, any slaves? Okay, anybody have a job? Okay, we'll talk about that next week. Good. Uh, But despite the title of my sermon last week, which was a better marriage, these codes, as I just prayed and said, are not just advice on how to have good better relationships. This is good, rich gospel instruction. These are commands. Uh, And we also need to remember that this is a letter. This is a letter written by Paul. And this letter would have been sent to this church in Ephesus and and, and also to the surrounding churches, but specifically to this church in Ephesus. And what would they do with it when they got it? The pastor would like take the letter and he'd read it and then he'd just set it in his desk and go, that was really good and forget about it, right? No, what, what would they do with this letter from Paul? They would gather together as a church and they would read it aloud so that everybody could hear it. And what is interesting about that is that Paul expected that when this letter was read that there would be children in attendance and that they would be able to hear that. And uh, we need to, there's, there's some really important points uh, from this verse, from this passage, and I have four points, only two of which are tied to the text, I'll tell you. The first one that I see is that children in the church are to be valued and cared for. Amen. Listen, that was kind of foreign to their culture in that day. 
In the Roman culture at that time, children uh, were not important. They were not valued. In fact, they were uh, often had had less had less rights than slaves, and oftentimes they might be left abandoned in the in the cities. They would have to become things like gladiators or, or fall into slavery or even become prostitutes for them to get by. But the church welcomed children. And I think it's significant that Paul wrote to the children. How many of you are here and you're younger than 18? Okay, oh, no, not me, not me, okay. Or maybe you're still living at home with your parents. Okay, so listen, this is for you. How many of y'all have parents? Yeah, everybody should be raising their hand, okay? All of you have parents. So this applies to you too. This is to all children. But kids that are in here who might sometimes tune out Brother Darren, listen, because this is addressed to you. It's also addressed to parents. But I think it's significant that we see in the church that they were uh, that the early church valued children. And I think it's significant that Paul wrote to children and not just to boys. It wasn't uh, 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 sons obey. No, it was written to all children. Uh, they, the early church had a very high regard for children. They loved them. And they, they were carrying on Jesus' legacy. Remember what he said in Matthew 19.14? He said, uh, suffer the little children. Uh, and forbid them not. That didn't mean make them suffer. It means give them a break, okay? Forbid them not to come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. The early church valued children. And we also should value and care for everyone made in God's image. Everyone, those who don't look like us, those who don't have the same social you know, standing in our eyes with us, and those that might live on the street in, in poverty and homelessness, we should, we should value and care for them, but we should also value and care for our children as a church. And children are a gift. Psalms 127 verse 3, it writes, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and a fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are a gift, but we only have them. They come like with, have you ever seen one of those stickers on an advertisement? Available for a limited time only. Hey, we only have these children as children for a limited time. We should celebrate the birth of children. We had a, a birth in our church this week, if you didn't know it. Uh, the Galindos gave birth to their, to their young daughter. I believe that was on Thursday. Um, but parents, parents might have the, uh, be the ones that have a special place to be disciple makers for their, uh, of their kids, but the church should also value children and be ready to help them. I mean, we are a family as a church, and uh, you know, kids are kind of like wet cement. There's only so much time that you can that you can mold them. Limited time. We should love children in this church. We should love kids who are from outside of this church. Kids that might come to our church through adoption or foster care. We don't have much of that going on, but it may come. We should love and, and care for those kids. There's a huge population of kids in our society nowadays that are, uh, you know, functionally fatherless. 
where dad is not present in the home. And, and there's lots of trouble that comes with kids like that oftentimes. But you know what? We should love and care for those kids. Are you hearing me, church? I mean, listen, God, what does God do? God, God for, what does God do for children? He sees and watches over all of them. He cares for them. He provides for them. He shows them love and kindness and forgiveness and mercy and grace. And, and what did, how, did, how did Ephesians 5, 1 begin? What did it say? But ye there, be ye therefore followers of God. Listen, as a church, we should be following God in this. We should be imitating his example to us. That we should love and value and care for children. The second thing I want to talk about for our church and for parents, all of us, is we're to set a Christ-centered example for children. Listen, Christ ought to be at the center of our life. As parents and as a church, we got to set a good example. Parents, listen up. Every parent that's got young kids in your home or kids that still live in your home, your kids are going to pay attention to your relationship with the Lord. Whether you think they're paying attention or not, they're going to know. They're going to notice if you read the Bible. They're going to notice if you pray or not. They're going to notice how you worship when you come to church. If you, if you stand there and, and just don't sing because I don't want to and I don't want to embarrass myself. Or if you uh, sit in the pew and, well, yeah, I'm worshiping. This is great. Your kids are going to notice. Your kids are going to pay attention how their parents feel about church. Like they're going to they're going to understand how the parent feels about going to church on an early Sunday morning. They're going to watch how their parents speak about truth how they do their job faithfully or, or with integrity, how they give to others, how their parents are encouraging to others or not encouraging, how they forgive others. We ought to have a God, Christ-centered example before our kids. All that has been discussed as we've talked about through Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, kids are going to either see you succeed or see you fail at those things in your life. And kids and church, kids, kids also can gain a wonderful example from this church. You know, I grew up uh, going to church. Uh, you know, we, pastors like to throw out the, oh man, I had a drug problem when I was growing up. My parents always drug me to church. Uh, yeah, I, the parent, my parents took me to church. I had a wonderful, uh, I have a wonderful set of parents who loved the Lord and, and lived a really Christ-centered example for me in many ways. And, and, and I learned a tremendous amount about following God from my parents. But you know, I was also in a church full of, young, full of adults that I could also see as an example. And as I grew into my teen years and, and, and uh, as I started doing more things in the church, serving in different ways, serving in VBS, serving uh, through the youth group, serving and uh, going to church camp, serving in drama ministry, all kinds of stuff like that. There were people that were in my life that weren't my parents that were like awesome parental godly examples. I think of a guy like Russell Little. 
Y'all don't know Russell? Russell was a, a single man who uh, his wife had left him and gone back to her life of sin and, and left him with his two sons. And his two sons were two of my closest friends when I was growing up. And Russell Little was a wonderful, godly example to me and an encouragement to me. Barry and Christy Wells, also a wonderful uh, couple in, in our church. And, uh, even my pastor, Brother Jerry Summy, and his wife, Miss Gwenda. There's, and I could go on and on and name a whole bunch of people y'all have never heard of before that were godly examples to me on how to serve God and how to love others and how to show kindness. You know, in elementary school, uh, they have this thing called show and tell, or at least they did. I don't know if they do that anymore. John says, nope. But, you know, show and tell, what is it for? It's for us to, for kids to be able to come and show and tell about whatever they think is cool or whatever they wanted to share with the class. Do you know, kids will learn in a classroom. Kids will learn uh, uh, what, kind of, what kind of Christians they should be in a classroom. They'll learn that in Sunday school. But, you know, they're going to they're gonna learn even more. The lessons that are going to stick with them the most is the ones they see exhibited in the life of their parents and in the adults in their life. I mean, if you want your kids to obey and to respect and to submit, well, don't you think they ought to see that from you to your Lord? Yeah. Uh, and, and here's the reality. All of us are going to fail. You're, none of these people that I listed were perfect examples. But you know what? When we fail, we need to let our kids see us fail and let our kids see how we're to respond to that failure, that we're going to turn to God and, and try to make it right and try to set ourselves back on the right path. We need to let them see our need for grace and forgiveness. And the last thing I would say, we, we need to make sure they understand their need for a savior and their need for the grace and mercy of God. Our kids need to know Ephesians 1 through 3, that God, who is rich in mercy, sent his son to die on the cross for them, that they might be born again into a whole new family and have eternal life and be made alive in Christ. Our kids need to know that. So before we even got to the text, church, I want you to know we need to value and care for children and we need to set a Christ-centered example for them. But in our text, where does it begin? What's the first word in in chapter 6, Benjamin? Children. Children. The instruction that's given here is the third point I have for you this morning. Children, honor and obey your parents in the Lord. All right, kids, so how should you honor your parents? By honoring them. All right. I was asking for that, wasn't I? How should, we, how should children honor their parents? I think honor is shown through the right attitude. Uh, you ever heard the saying that your attitude is the aroma of your heart? We have a little sign that we bought for the boys' bedroom that says, uh, attitude is like a flat tire. If you don't get it fixed, it's not going anywhere. Listen, is, is a good attitude huffing and puffing and, and pouting and talking back to your parents? 
Nope. That's not honoring at all to your parents. That's dishonoring. Kids who dishonor their parents, well, they dishonor God himself. You see, this is, this is God's word, guys. These are God's instructions. Paul wrote them, but God moved on him to share these instructions to you and me. So if God says this is what we're supposed to do, that we're supposed to honor our parents, then when we dishonor our parents, we dishonor God himself. This is God's written law. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, uh, God gave us the Ten Commandments. And the very first commandment that we hear that is between people here on earth, I mean, he talks about uh, relationships between man and God, but as far as the first one that we hear about relationship between each other, the very first one is in Exodus twenty-one twelve: Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, physical and verbal abuse toward your parents was a capital offense. It's serious business. If you just... Or if you're in Exodus and you go to chapter 21, you see in verse 15, it says, He that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Did you hear that, boys? Don't touch your mother. Or he that curseth, verse 17, his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. It was a capital offense. God is serious about you obeying and honoring your parents. And one thing I notice about this is while I'm talking to a bunch of kids in here, I don't see an age limit on this command. Those of us with older parents should continue to honor our parents. We're to obey. Children, honor and obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents. So how should children obey their parents? How about by hearing and doing what your parents ask you to do? Colossians 3.20 puts it a little differently. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. I I do believe that there is a, a little caveat to this. That if your parents are asking you to do something that is wrong or sinful or is going to cause you uh, you know a serious injury put your life in danger you you might obey god first but otherwise you should obey your parents in all things and it says for this is well pleasing unto the lord in colossians 3:20 kids if you want to please the lord obey your parents If you want to please God, obey your parents. When you obey your parents, you're obeying the Lord. Now, it's normal for kids to struggle with this. Um, I was a kid at one point. I'm the youngest, okay, which means I'm the best kid, all right? And uh, I'm the youngest, which means that I also got the most experienced parents. I'm the youngest, which means that I got probably the most lenient parents. And... uh, But, you know, my parents did still have expectations for me. And I didn't always want to mow the lawn at 7 in the morning on Saturday. I didn't always want to take the trash out 
and have to stop what I was doing to do something for mom and dad. It's not, it was not natural for me to obey my parents. It's normal for kids to have a difficult time obeying their parents. But I think when kids fail, parents, I think they need reminding that Jesus died for those who fail to obey God. It's an opportunity to share the gospel. And then they need to take the trash out. How about we ask this question? Why should parents obey their children? Or, excuse me. Why should parent, children obey their parents? Boy, man, that was a mess up, wasn't it? Why should children obey their parents? Well, Paul gave us a couple of reasons. First thing he says is, for it's right. It's the right thing to do. You know, uh, our, our, our world is made up of, of mostly people who are directed by what? What is right? No, unfortunately not. We're mostly directed by what? How we feel. Our, 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 our belly is our God, right? And we, we're led by how we feel. We, we're led by our emotions, by our own desires. We're not led by what is right. Listen, we ought to train our children to focus on what is good and right and pleasing to God. And then we should do it. We should ob- kids should obey their parents because it's right. That's what it says in verse 1. Children, obey your parents and Lord. It's right. The second reason he gave us is because this command comes with a promise of blessing and of safekeeping. Keeping. Look at verse 3. It says, for this, uh, excuse me, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. That it may be well with thee. That's a blessing. Hey, in fact, he's, he's going back to Deuteronomy 5.16, a blessing that was uh, shared uh, all the way back there in, in those first five books of the Bible. That if you obey your parents, God will bless you. Do you hear that, kids? If you obey your parents, God will bless you. He'll take care of you. I mean, he's going to take care of you anyway, but you don't want to be facing correction on the path of life. You want to be facing God's blessings. If you obey your parents, God will bless you for that. Also, it says that thou mayest live long on the earth. That's again a reference back to Exodus 20 verse 12, where it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, and thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Of course, that uh, was given to the uh, children of Israel, and, and that thy days may be long upon the land. He's talking about Israel, Israelite children in Israel. But Paul takes that, and he applies it to all the children that are listening in this crowd in Ephesus, which many would have been uh, uh, Greeks, they would have been Gentiles, many would have been Jews. And and he says that thou mayest live on, long on the earth. I, I don't think that means that you'll have some kind of spiritual protection from illness or death. I think it's just uh, that a child, it means that a child isn't endangering himself or herself when they dishonor their parents. Kids, I, y'all need to listen. Sin is not, is not bad because it's forbidden. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Sin isn't bad because somebody said, don't do that. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. Y'all need to wake up a little bit. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. When you commit sin in your life, there's going to be consequences. You may not see them 
the way that you expect consequences to come in your life through a, uh, through a corrective rod or, 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 or a spanking or something like that or, or through being grounded. It may be that the, the consequences that you, feel, you, uh, you form a bad habit in your life of rebellion that leads you to make much worse decisions later in your life. Sin is, sin is forbidden because it's bad. A child, you're going to endanger yourself if you dishonor and disobey your parents. There's practical blessings that come from submitting to the authority of your parents. Children are to honor and obey your parents in the Lord. Let's focus on this last verse. I love that God, whenever he's addressing each of these uh, household codes, he, he always turns and gives some instruction to those in authority. You notice that? And he doesn't hold back and make it easy on them. He says, you fathers, provoke not your children unto wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Parents, were to nurture our children. Both parents. It says fathers. But both parents are to nurture their children. But I think Paul seems to intend this mainly for fathers. Parents, we're to love our kids. You know how you spell love? It's a four-letter word. T-I-M-E. Parents, we're to be present in our kid's life. It's going to be really hard to nurture and love your child if you're not there. It's going to be really hard to give them the kind of care and, 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 and discipline that they need if you're not there. God gave you this job to raise your parents, or to raise your kids. My goodness, i got to swap up my pronouns or something. God gave you that job to raise your kids. The job does not belong to anybody else. The responsibility is not going to fall on daycare workers. It's not going to fall on school teachers. It's not going to fall on Sunday school teachers. I mean, they're going to have a responsibility, but God gave you the ultimate responsibility to raise your kids. A father must be fair and consistent. I think there's two challenges that he shares with us. For parents and generals, but dads especially, I think, dads are often the disciplinarian in the home, and so dads specifically have these two challenges before them. And the first one we see is do not provoke them, provoke your children to anger. Uh, in, in Colossians 3.21, uh, this same thought is mirrored. It says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Listen, listen we're not supposed to exasperate our children. In the ancient world, fathers had total control, and they oftentimes could be very harsh. They could sell their kids into slavery. They could even kill them without being charged with a crime. Many kids were just abandoned into the city, and we talked about what became of many of them. But a father must be loving and fair and consistent in attitude towards his children. There's a lot of ways we can anger our children. I think maybe the most obvious to me sometimes is that we fail to remember that they're just kids. Or 
It might upset them, discourage them, exasperate them to compare them to others. Or to discipline inconsistently. Dads, we need to be consistent. Or maybe it would anger a child, and I know this happened many times, to fail to express approval of what they're doing, even in the smallest of things. Or failing to show love. Fathers, our our kids need to know that we love them. They need to see it expressed through our time and our effort, not just because we're around and we're in the same room with them. Or maybe disciplining them for the wrong reasons. I I would say that a uh, physical discipline or, or punishment should only be because of willful disobedience or defiance. It's my opinion. You can have your own. That's okay. Search the scriptures and make sure you're right. That's what I'm going to tell you. You can exasperate them by pressuring them to fulfill your goals instead of letting them choose their own path in life. Or maybe withholding love from them. And I'm going to add one to this list. I think it will exasperate your children to overprotect them. What do I mean by that? Well, I think there's a tendency of of parents to want to protect their children from every possible sinful act that exists in this world. But the reality is, is someday your kids are going to move out and they're going to be living in the same world that you do. They need to be prepared to deal with it. They need to understand what's out there in the world. I think uh, that could really be a mistake to overprotect them. We need to allow our kids to grow and to see, but to be there in their life to give them context for what they see, what they experience in the life, and, and, and share with them what God's Word says about those things. What's the result of angering your child? That's what we see in Colossians 3.21, lest they be discouraged. Anger and discouragement. Two challenges, do not provoke them to anger. Second one is bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Paul goes from negative to positive. He, 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 and he shares three actions. We need to bring up, we need to discipline, and we need to instruct. I think they're all in this passage. Bring them up, that means we need to provide. We need to nourish. We need to feed them. We need to care for your, your children lovingly. Your kids should know that they're loved because their bellies are full, because their, uh, their, their, their life is, is comfortable, not, not to the comfort to the degree that you know, they're, they're spoiled, that they feel safe. If you can do that for them, we're to provide for them, we're to feed them, we're to nourish them, and not just with the uh, physical needs of life, but with their spiritual needs. They need to see what it means to follow God. From their parents first. And then training and, in, and instructing, teaching. It kind of carries with the idea of, of teaching, counseling, uh, 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 warning, verbal instructions, and discipline. You know, it involves training, including punishment. But given all that has been said about nurturing and loving our children, such discipline should be under control. I think as... Fathers who are serious about discipline, it's easy for us to allow anger to lead us. 
That's wrong. It's sinful. My dad never said it to me. In fact, the only he gave me maybe a couple of good whoopings in my life. I was, I really was the best kid, you know. At least I believe so. My bro- my brothers listen to this; they'll have something to say, I'm sure. He never did tell me, son, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. But I, there's truth in that. If you're doing it with the right heart and doing it out of love, it's going to hurt, parents, for you to do that. But we should discipline our children in love. It should be. Of the Lord. Our instruction and discipline should honor God. As a parent, guys, we're often going to feel insufficient. And and if you feel that way, you're right to feel that way. Because you are insufficient. You can't do this on your own. Being a parent, <laughs> when we raised uh, our, our niece uh, till she was 17, let me tell you, there's times in raising her that it made me desperate for God's help. Parenting will make you desperate for God's help and intervention. And while it is the parents' God-given responsibility to raise and train their children, God in His grace is working in their lives too. Psalms 127. I'll leave this last verse as a verse of comfort. It says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I'm not talking about a, an earthly Lord, uh, some master of, a, of an earthly household. No, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh, but in vain. God is at work in the lives of our kids. But it's our job to train them up, to show them love with time. It might mean sacrifice. It might mean changing your job. It might mean uh, just changing the trajectory of your career path so that instead of spending all your time trying to climb the ladder, you'll spend your time... Loving your children. It's easy to, to, uh, to tell yourself, oh, but I'm, I'm doing this to give them a better life. Well, let me tell you, your kids need more than more money in, your, in their parents' bank account. A nicer house and a cleaner car to drive a ride around in. They need their moms and their dads at home. And kids... God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. To pay for your sin and that if you would just trust in him, he'll forgive you of all your sin and deliver unto you eternal life today if if it's your desire. Obey your parents for this is right. You want to honor God, honor your parents. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for your word. I thank you that you give us such instructions. Lord, it's notable 
that the very first institution that you made on this earth was the institution of the home, of marriage, and of family. And Lord, we recognize that oftentimes the nation rises and falls on the, on the strength of the family. Lord, that's an under attack in our world. It's been under attack for quite a long time. But God, I know that if we would just draw near to you and near to these words that are familiar to us, that we've all heard before and maybe quoted by parents to us, maybe quoted from our own lips to our own kids, Lord, if we would draw near to this and and make this such a priority, we really would have a God-centered home. Lord, it matters because we understand that we're supposed to be salt and light in this world. That the world outside should see in our home something that doesn't exist outside of a relationship with God. Yes. That they should see the, the love and the care between uh, uh, parents and children and be in awe and be challenged they might see you as maybe something more than just a a good idea or a religious idea, but a way of life. God, I pray you just would bless our church. We've got a lot of parents here, grandparents, and praise you, Lord, we have a lot of kids in here this morning. God, I pray you just help this message to sink into our hearts and help us to respond according to your word. Pray be with this time of invitation. 